Hello and welcome to Tell the Damn Story. I am Christopher Ryan, an award-winning hybrid author, teacher, multi-platform creative, and award-winning journalist. Uh, also on the mic is Kids Comic Con and the Color of Comics exhibition founder, Alex Simmons, an award winner since 1996, including an Inkpot Award from the San Diego Comic Con and three Glyph Awards from the East Coast Black Age of Comics Con. He has written Sherlock Holmes, Tarzan, Batman, Superman, and Scooby-Doo, among so many more classic characters, and is the creator of the legendary African-American soldier of fortune, Aaron Blackjack Day, whose 1930s adventures comment on today's social problems. On Tell the Damn Story, we celebrate the trials and tribulations, the challenges and joys of creativity, and hopefully, along the way, help you decide how you want to tell your own damn story. All right, Alex, I'm very excited about today's episode. Yeah, this I see is... you moved some books around too, That's right? That's right. Well, yes, we had to make sure we had Occupy Pulp up here. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to talk to our, uh, our guests here. Ladies, uh, ladies and gentlemen, what you see, if we do get to the video, is <laughs> our unpaid um, sponsors, uh, sponsors right there that we have. Uh, there are every six week. books behind his head. For those of you who are visually impaired here, you've You've got added Occupy Pulp, Pulp yep. who is, uh, that was put out by Flinch Books, and right. we have the publishing partners of Flinch Books today. <laughs> the dynamic we duo have, publishing. That's right. Jim Beard and John Bruning. Uh, we're going to talk to you a little bit about both of them. Gentlemen, I'm going to lean on your uh, bios if you don't mind. But before uh, we do that, uh-oh. we're going to be, what are we going to be doing during the show? We're going to be talking to them. Obviously, we're, we're going to be we're doing gonna talk. We're going to talk to these two gentlemen. We're right. Gonna and talk about, gonna... um, we're going to talk about New Pulp uh, and mm-hmm. Old Pulp. We're going to talk about uh, the experience of being traditionally published. And the experience of being indie published and because we have Jim Beard and John Bruning of Flinch Books, the experience of being indie publishers and what that all takes in. So uh, we're going to talk about some writing um, technique and and habits and that kind of stuff and advice that uh, these two gentlemen might have for emerging writers. So So that's where we're going to get to. Stay tuned. That's right. And now... Now, now I'm going to lean on the bios because I'm so go. excited to get to it. All right, we're going to do this in uh, alphabetical order. Okay, so Jim yeah, Beard. Jim Beard, right? That we all are beards in honor. Um, he's a, a native of you know, Ohio. He was introduced to comic books at an age by his father, who passed on to him the love for the medium and the pulp characters that, who preceded it. After decades of reading, collecting, and dissecting comics, Jim, you became a published writer when you sold the story to DC Comics in 2002. Since that time, he's written official Spider-Man, X-Files, Planet of the Apes, prose fiction, Star Wars, Ghostbusters, uh, comic stories, and contributed articles and essays to several volumes of comic book history. Yeah. I was going through some of your stuff, uh... Yeah, Jim Beard's he's he's been around that guy. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he's done so, some around. That's right. Hey, Jim, Wars, bo- Battlestar Galactica, Hard Boiled Horror, Thrilling Adventure, Gotham Cities, uh, um, fourteen miles. That was all about the '66 uh, uh, series, right? 
Nicely right. done. Major Lacey, I got to tell you, I, I don't recognize that. So I'm looking forward well, to hearing what you guys That's old, old pulp. Old pulp. Well, yeah. We did promise old pulp and new yes. pulp. Ladies there gentlemen. you go. You got it. Uh, and uh, let's see. His prose work includes Gotham City, 14 Miles, a book of essays on the 66 Batman, which I mentioned before. And then Sergeant Janice. Spirit Breaker, he's one of my favorite characters from Jim Beard. A uh, collection of pulp ghost stories featuring an, an Edwardian occult detective. And then Monster Earth! That's, uh, I think both of you have some stuff yes. in there. Yes. Um, a shared world giant monster anthology. You can't get much more pulp than giant monsters. It's fun stuff. Um, and of course, you did Captain Action, Riddle of the Glowing Men. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had the action figures, so I'm cool. Yeah. So oh, oh, good. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And hey, of course, I, you. I was around then, you know. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone until later. There you go. There you go. There I'm, you go. Uh, I'm contractually ab- uh, yeah. obliged get, to make yeah, fun yep. of his age. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Jim, you're a co co publisher at Flinch Books with. One John C. Bruning. Let's talk about him for a minute. You want Lean to bang on his bio a little bit. All right, John C. Bruning is the author of the Midnight Guardian series. Nice number of uh, uh, titles for that uh, character. Um, a multi-part noir adventure reminiscent of the classic pulp fiction of the 30s and 40s, much like uh, Aaron Blackjack Day. Uh, he also has conjured numerous short stories, essays, and other dispatches from various corners of his restless mind, and he has an active imagination. Uh, professional writer and editor since the 1980s, and a variety of disciplines, journalism, magazine editing, marketing, advertising, small press book editing, has won two awards for feature writing, 2020 and then 2011. From the Society of Professional Journalists, he is a co-founder and editor of the Ohio-based Flinch Books, Books. and the editor-in-chief of ARC Magazine, a quarterly publication covering the welding and fabrication culture, and he lives in Cleveland. So, Ohio, we have Toledo and Cleveland represented tonight. Nicely done. In the house. So, now we can let Uh, these gentlemen actually just hello. I just want to add, before we do that, I want to add one or two other titles from John. (laughs) Quest of the Space God, or For the Space Gods. Love that title. And uh, both of you were involved in the G.I. Joe um, um, uh, book. Yeah, it was was about um, kind of memories of of the action figure, right, Uh, as adults. That's pretty cool. Uh, And together you've put out Big Top Tales. Uh, we want yeah. We got to hear about that. Yes. Okay. And, and you were in. Gods was both of us were you too. both in Restless? Wait a minute. Yes. Hold it. Well, this is my John, last title. Jim, it's my last title, and hello. I can shut up for half an hour. Let him say hello. Let him say hello, please. Let him say hello. You, you was it just one of you or both of you did Restless, the Mummy? <laughs> hello. Stories? Thank you. Thank there you. you. Go. Okay. There you go. All right. I've gotten all. Oof, I felt so ob- obliged to get all that stuff well, out. That's all the time we have. Uh, yeah, I was going to say you. You said everything uh, that needs hey, to be said. So thank you very much. And yeah, good night, folks. Yeah. often. Yeah. Right. Well, listen, that's how much stuff people have to go and buy or shop and read. And we'll repeat so, some of that later because I don't remember all How did we please. accomplish all this while having lives and everything? <laughs> lives? Lives? So once again, Jim, say hello. so people Hello, can- hello, Jim. <laughs> Good, Jim, and where are you right now? I'm in Toledo. With the sun shining the, on your the, face. Yeah, the, for- the former glass capital of the world. 
ah, I knew that. Did I? Yes, I knew that. That's, okay. Home of, the, home of the Toledo Mud Hens. Yes. There you go. For all you sports fans out <laughs> there. Playing as we speak, if, if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Playing as yeah. we speak. Well, yeah, Jim's uh, a huge uh, sports fan. Yeah. John, John, you got any baseball over there in Cleveland? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do actually. Uh, it's it's been worse, but it's been better. It's we're yeah. doing we're, we're holding our own, so to speak. Uh, we we've had worse years. We've had much better years. Okay. Uh, those of us who might remember the early to mid nineteen nineties, that was those were the glory days, but Still that's long gone. But uh, <laughs> yeah. we're hanging in there. You There's know, always we, hope. See, I remember the seventies in with with the Cleveland Indians, and that was a horrific period of, for, for for Cleveland baseball. It was just not. It was it was so bad. It was good. I mean, it was it was just really it was it was it wasn't my, pretty. Yeah. My dad has right. been a fan of the Cleveland Indians since he was ten years old. He is eighty four right now. Wow. Thick and thin, no yeah. matter what, he has been. Wow. A constant diehard fan of the Cleveland Indians and has followed them for seventy four years. Wow, that's fantastic! That's well, he's seen, he's seen the good and the bad and everything in between. Then yeah. that's yeah. a that's a fan yeah. right there. That's beautiful. So yeah. so, so welcome I, to tell yeah, the damn right. baseball story. Yeah right. Uh, <laughs> so so let, Cliff, Chris, where do you want to take this? Where do you want to start this from? Because I know. Uh, well, oh, wait, I I oh, forgot. Wait. I'm I'm dedicating my part of this interview. To the birthday boy today, Jamie Farr. Oh, yeah. Ah, from yes. Toledo, Ohio. From yeah. Toledo, Ohio. He's wow. 87 years old today. Wow, 87? Birthday, wow. Jamie Farr. Wow. Yeah, for those Fantastic. of you who don't know, we're talking MASH. We're talking Klinger. Yes. Klinger? Yes, Klinger yes. and yes. MASH, the TV series. Oh, yeah. Jamie Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Anybody who'd be watching this. Hey, Alex. everyone know that? Yeah. Alex is loving this no. because every episode, Alex goes on the Alex Simmons time machine. Yes. But Jim is the one who triggered the time machine tonight. Hey. Very nicely done. Very nicely done. I know where he was, right? Okay. Beautiful. So, John, uh, you have to say hello as well because uh, we were just doing, a, we were just doing the Hello from Cleveland. Now. Hello from the hello. east side, the east suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio. That's um, where I was born and raised and have lived my entire, entire existence. And I hear from a famous comedian that Cleveland rocks. Uh, that would be Drew Carey. Um, yeah. And depending on who you ask, well, well, I will say it, I think it's, it's a fair statement. I think we have a pretty rich musical history here. Um, yes. I, wrote, I wrote about a lot of it in the 80s and 90s. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we, we used to have a club here in Cleveland in, in the downtown area called the, the Agora. And that was the place, if you, were a, if you were a band or an artist coming out of New York or the East Coast and you wanted to make your way west, um, you had to, it, it was sort of, the, the Cleveland Agora was like a gateway to getting into markets like Chicago and eventually L.A. You had to like, you had to play the Agora and sort of make your, st- uh, is that Springsteen? Yeah, I have yes, uh, a triple yes, bootleg from the Agora Ballroom right here. <laughs> All right, Jim. We'll, we'll, right, keep, we'll just we'll let me know when brief. the conversation is done. And, and, and then I'll no, we're going. talking about the Agora. It just happened right. to be the place. That's all. Right. You're talking about the 78 concert, Chris? Yes. It's legendary. Yes. Oh, I have yes. I have a bootleg of my of it myself. Um, when, I was they have only, to go, when they have to go and see God. I was only a, four. Yeah, that's right. I was only 14. Um, I think my sister... She was no. She was in college at the time, but she wasn't there. But she had some friends who were there. It's like there you go. it's almost like the Woodstock of Cleveland. 
that, that, that show was yeah it was pretty it was pretty stuff. good I've, I've got the bootleg it's a oh yeah good. oh yeah well uh uh katie holmes is from toledo and, she was the <laughs> and she's a lot Dueling better looking than bruce springsteen yeah. <laughs> yeah she yeah. is yes she is <laughs> so let's yes, talk yes. writing let's talk all right so yes. um is that you, why we're here yes okay Fake yes. it. Well, our our next book is uh, Cleveland Pulp. That's right. <laughs> Occupied Cleveland. I'm writing the uh, whole thing. Yeah, really. Yeah, really. It's it, it's set in uh, Cleveland, right after World War II. No. Yes. <laughs> well, that's probably a good place to start. Right here, we have Occupied um, Pulp. It is, just came out. The what was it, about a, two April. months now. April. 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 So April more than 25th, that. But in yeah. COVID, everything feels like two months. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. So y- y- it was a really unique um, take on World War II. You know, rather than during the war, it was right after um, every every place, you know, occupied uh, Japan, occupied Germany, Italian. You had that great story in Italy. That was great stuff. Um, why that? How did this come about? And then we'll dig back and forward and sideways from there. I think this was originally kind of Jim's idea. You want me to take this one? Yeah, you go ahead, Jim. Yes. <laughs> um, I I uh, I credit Elvis Presley with the with the germ of this idea. <laughs> uh, in, in the introduction that I wrote uh, for the book, I I talk about how the original idea came from me listening to GI Blues. Right. And uh, and thinking about Elvis being part of that occupying force, you know, uh, in in Germany, and and that stuck with me. But I didn't do anything about it. I actually spoke to a, a publisher that I knew uh, at the time, and wasn't really any interest at that time. So I put it on the back burner, which I do with many many things, <laughs> and. Um, uh, like a few years later, I had the opportunity to finally see the film The Third Man. Oh, have mm-hmm. always wanted to see this movie. Um, there's a there's a, uh, a Kate Winslet movie called Heavenly Creatures, uh-huh. and in the movie, her and the other girl in the movie they're obsessed with the movie The Third Man when it when it comes out. I think it I think it's The Third Man. Well, anyways, but. Uh, finally got to see that movie, and and it, the whole idea just came right back to me. Like, this is a really fascinating time. Everybody, you know, focuses on World War II, and with good reason. But, you know, it's not like all of the danger and intrigue and action and everything else just stopped, the, you, know, the, you know, with Nuremberg or, or whatever, you know, um, once the, the, the surrenders were signed. And, and I thought there's got to be a lot of fertile ground there for stories and, and some really interesting stuff, uh, too. So I, uh, I presented that to John as an idea for Flinch Books. Uh, what we have mostly done is anthologies, fiction anthologies. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, you know, he really liked the idea. And I felt we really had something. And... So we ran with it, uh, and we put together what I'm going to say is I think is one hell of an author lineup. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, we uh, we started at the top, and uh, we went to Will Murray, uh, a gentleman who is probably responsible for quite a lot of what what some call new pulp right. today. The idea of reviving the pulp 
tradition yet with new in new writing and uh will is the reason that i'm a doc savage fan today i gotta wow yeah, i'm getting the sun a lot just of got really bright in your eyes i know yeah Woo! it's there that it's that literary glow jim it's, uh, <laughs> no, it was, once yeah. he started talking about occupied pulp it just started <laughs> glowing I'm up. I'm up in my my the upper floor of my house, and I'm sitting in front of the window. And I had I've had the window open, and the the breeze has just been really nice and everything. But now and then the sun shifted, and then suddenly I'm in the yeah, sun. Wow, so they like, have breezes over in Ohio. <laughs> we haven't had a breeze in about a week. We got a lake here. We have <laughs> yeah, a lake yeah, here. Yeah. So yes, a lake. Yeah, or, <laughs> or the Maumee River. But um, then it really, really clicked because Will Murray said, yes, he would uh, be interested in contributing a story. He loved the idea and, and everything just fell into place right there. And, uh, and, and here we are today with, uh, you know, one of the books that we're most proud of as publishers. Now, now I know book. Chris has a copy of the book. I don't. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to ask just some some basic questions like Please. how many stories are in there and and you know can you give us an idea of the the sort of the range or the variety of stories? Oh, sure. It's it's six stories and uh, we were uh, dead set on making sure that it wasn't all stories of occupied Germany mm-hmm. because I think that's probably what we we figured would be a lot of people's go to that they mm-hmm. would automatically think uh, of that. Um, that we set out to make sure that not only was occupied Germany uh, present in the stories, but also occupied Japan. Uh-huh. Which I I was really, really, you know, hoping that we were going to get something really good with that, and we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Then, um, occupied Italy. And searching for Benito. At, by at that John. point, I'm going to pass it over to John because. Yeah. That's his bailiwick. Right yeah, there. that was uh, that was fun. I mean, well, just by way of just personal background, I'm half Italian. Um, so a lot of like a lot of the well, there's there's some there's some cultural references in that story that I pulled right out of some, you know, my personal my, you know, my grandparents came over with my mother when she was six months old. So, mm-hmm. they, you know, I, w- I grew up with two very like very ethnic, you know, broken English it's two very sweet Italian grandparents. Um, but, but by virtue of the fact that they were, they were fairly recent immigrants, they, they came over in, uh, let's see, uh, the spring of 29. Uh, and even by the time I was growing up in the seventies, they were still very steeped in their, in their, in their traditions. So I, you know, I, I, I was, I, I was more close to the Italian tradition than a name like Bruning might suggest. <laughs> so, um, so a, a lot of the references that you you read in that story are um, sort of from from personal experience. Um, Italy was and a this mess is of course the, searching for Benito, right? And Italy was a mess after the war, mm-hmm. uh, especially mm-hmm. in Milan. Uh, Milan, if I'm not mistaken, I did some research. Milan was, I believe, one of the one of the most severely damaged cities in all of Europe by virtue of you know the bombing of of, uh, uh, of factories and warehouses and other industrial centers in and around the city. Um, so I mean, the devastation was pretty severe. Um, but, but, but it was, it was just, and the, the fun thing about that story is if, if you, if you go back, that story is based entirely on historical fact. The characters in the story are purely fictional, but uh, 
and I don't want to give the story away, but if you, if you get to the end of the story and say, that is just bizarre, that's just <laughs> ghastly and, you, and bizarre. And you will, I, and you will trust me. Yes. <laughs> if, if you, if you, if you Google the, the events of Mussolini, his death and the aftermath of his death, yeah. you will find that it's that, that story is based by and large on historical fact for as, for as weird and strange and bizarre and macabre as it is you're going to realize well, that that's kind of how it happened. So yeah. it's, it was, it was fun. You know, it's, it's hard to come up with a good story, no matter how long you've been doing it. So when history sort of hands you a really interesting story like <laughs> you that, run you just kind of run with it. You know, you just got to go and run with well, it. They say um, truth is stranger than fiction. It was wow. in this case. Cause I kept, I kept digging and I kept researching. I thought, how could I not tell this story? I want to tell a story about, about the allied occupation of Italy. And, you know, it was just waiting for, to be told. And uh, it was, it was it was fun to research and it was fun to write because I had the luxury of, you know, coming up with a couple of historical characters, you know, or, I'm sorry, uh, fictional characters who, uh, you know, one American, one Italian, both investigating a, a crime. And uh, um, it just uh, it I, I won't say it's it was easy to write because it never is. But uh, certainly, you know, the, the confluence of an interesting story and my own personal background. Uh, it w- it was fun to sort of mesh those two together and 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 come up with a with a with a good story. I think you succeeded, man. And Thank Occupied you. Pulp is a, a, a fascinating read from cover to cover, including the introduction. I, I was hoping you would tell that story. Um, and it's available everywhere, right? It, uh, it's not. I, I don't think it's on the shelves of Barnes and Noble. Oh well, okay. But, I'm so yeah, used to no, ordering online no, I mean, now. Yeah, I hate to say that, but yeah, I mean, go on Amazon and and it's right there and yeah. in both uh, print and, and, it and shows and up real book. quick in your house. If they if they do, you know, you yes. could buy them from Amazon and then go into Barnes and Nobles and put them on the shelves and just, you know, just <laughs> so we could so we yes. could say that they're on the shelves. That's a Mitch Hedberg uh, joke. Just want to uh, just want to ask you just quickly uh, just to give us an idea you know six stories and from what you suggested very rich stories what was the deadline on these i mean how long did it mm-hmm. take to 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 bring these together or in your case uh, uh john you wrote one of them how long did it take you to write it and you know you had to research and all of that it, it took longer than it was supposed to that's all i'm gonna say uh <laughs> you say, i don't know if he's the right one to ask that question. yeah hey you know you got to get the full story here right you know? j- j- Jim was very, very gracious in letting me have some extra time. Um, and my, my excuse was that, uh, well, I had, I had, I, I was, I had just prior to that, I was working on the monster, the, the monster earth story. Um, and I had to wrap that up. And plus there's also the, you know, all the chores involved with, with compiling the stories and editing the stories for an anthology. So yes. I was kind of wearing two hats at the same time. I was mm-hmm. playing, you know, I was playing editor publisher on one hand, and also trying to finish this story on the other hand. So, um, so yeah, I, I admit I was late. I was a bad boy. Um, but my, my hope is that, you know, the final product sort of justified my tardiness, but, uh, okay. Um, so when, we when won't make we... you look bad. Just give me an average. How long did it take to put the book together? Wow. Four, four or five months, Jim. I, I'm, uh... Yeah, it, it, it was, it, it was about a half a year. You know, I I think we, yeah, I think we started like assigning stuff in December or, or. Yeah. I mean, I'm, as a publisher editor, I'm pretty big on giving people at least, you know, at least three months 
yeah. you know, to, to provide a story, it, you know, if not more, let's say th- three to six months, mm, yeah. you know, and that, and that's mostly because I don't want people to say no to me. I don't, you know, I don't, <laughs> yeah, one month and you know, most people are going to say, he, he oh, doesn't handle away. rejection. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just to, just to clarify what, what John and I have fallen into a tradition of doing with flinch books is that when we put out an anthology, uh, one of us will actually have a story in the book and whoever doesn't have a story in the book writes the introduction. Mm. So now, uh, in Occupied Pulp, it was John's turn to provide a story and then I wrote the introduction. On our uh, upcoming anthology at the end of the year, I'll be doing a story and John will be doing the introduction. Gotcha. Are you willing to tell us what that anthology mm. is? Um, is it a stay tuned situation? Uh, yeah. We'll have you back. back Let me explain. No, you know what? I would You got to promise to come back and talk to us about it when you, (laughs) when it comes right. I would, I would absolutely, I think both of us would absolutely love to talk about it because it falls right in with the, the unofficial, not actually written out flinch mission statement (laughs) of, (laughs) Of uh, of always doing something uh, different. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I I think it will it might surprise a few people mm-hmm. that that we're doing it because it's it's like uh, absolutely nothing like occupied pulp. <laughs> Put it that way. Right. And it has absolutely a very nothing. it has a very interesting backstory. There the the genesis of this particular yeah. project. Uh, and yeah. we I, I'm not going to go into any more detail than that, but. Yeah. Uh, so, I think by I'm, I'm going to say by late summer we could talk about it, Jim. Hit, that? That okay. Yeah. So well, we'll you know back. what we we had talked about revealing the yeah. uh, the, the title, description, and cover at Pulp Fest, which which is in August. I'm going to be there, and uh, un- unfortunately, Flinch Books uh, is not going to be. Yeah. At, at oh. Pulp Fest, so. You can you can blame me for that. I think that's. Uh, yeah, uh, that's I ha- I have a family obligation that. Uh, my my daughter is moving into college that weekend. Oh, oh, well, I understand. Wait, that. wait a minute! You're putting family before your publishing. <laughs> what the hell? hell? What what you is know, wrong with you? Where are your values, man? Where are your values? <laughs> well, you know he is part Italian. So, oh you know, yeah, that's right. That's about it. Yeah. That's right. yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, okay. all right. Let's talk about. Uh, you know, we do have uh, some indie. Uh, people uh, in the audience, and um, Great. let's talk about projects, the, the the real nuts and bolts. So, how does it how does it go? You pitch each other. How do you agree? From there, is it mm-hmm. always invitation? Do you ever do open submissions? Can you talk about the difference? And you know, let let's kind of give them kind of we'll peel back the. Uh, um, you know, the curtain, and let's see what the wizards are doing there. Nope, John. just silence. They're like, no, we're not. Well, it's, <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's safe to say that each, there's no standard approach to each project. Each sort of like, each one sort of has its own origin mm. story. Um, but like, there has to be a like, point where one of you says the other, how about this? Sure. Oh, yes, 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 definitely. Yes. You know, how's that go? How many you times? Know what? What's I the batting it's, average? You it's know? like the Beatles. You know, like they would get together and each one of them would bring their, you know, stung ideas to the table. Mm-hmm. And they'd say, you know, go down the line and say, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And if it was George Harrison, it was mostly no. 
I, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. If it's Ringo Starr, it was definitely no. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. But luckily, it's this, the two of us, so there's only a Lennon and McCartney. Nice. Right. right. Wow. Star, We're not going to wow. tell you which Here's, is which. You yeah. went there. You but, went but there. But yeah, you, you know, um, Quest for the Space Gods is, a, is maybe a good example yes. of how we work. Yes. We at, at Pulp Fest one year in the in the far past. I think it was sixteen. I think in twenty sixteen, yeah. we uh, while we sat at our table, we had a a, a, a flinch meeting. I, flinch meetings are great because they're <laughs> they're like wherever and whenever, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, um, and we started throwing out ideas, and um, it, it's it's now the stuff of legend. But uh, okay. you know. I, I said, uh, um, you know, well, this or that, eh, eh, maybe or whatever. We were, we were being kind of wishy-washy. And John just goes, ancient astronauts. And I remember the, the hush that fell over yeah, our, that our was, booth yeah. at that moment. And I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that, that, that sparked with me. And, and that was, and that we, was probably one of the most purely collaborative joint, yeah, you know, moments definitely. of, yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Okay. So and, can, can we go through that if you don't mind? So you're yeah. at the Pulp Fest and you say, yeah, yeah. then what happens? Well, <laughs> we, <laughs> I mean, once we got over the initial, you know, like kind of excitement about it, I remember that we, we kind of talked about, why we what our connection was to that that topic mm-hmm. and that would of course went back to our childhoods um and and we both agreed that it made an impact on us as kids and i don't remember if john was actually like terrified by it as a child <laughs> but no, i was it- actually I was actually terrified. What, what, the, piece, the piece you're leaving out, Jim, is, is and it's probably obvious to anybody who's familiar with the book, is that is it's. I mean, the, the character is based primarily on Eric von Daniken. Yeah. So right. Yeah. So so and and uh, just by way of explanation, I mean, Jim and I are essentially the same age. He, he will always be the first to tell you that I'm a couple by a year and a half older than he is, but. Uh, but you deal with the old age thing too. Okay. I don't understand making age jokes. Me never. I tell you. <laughs> but but the, the the good the good thing about that is we we grew up with the same pop culture touchstones. We we watched a lot of the same TV. We were aware of the same stuff going on in the world as we were growing up, and we were both aware of this really kind of weird kind of. Uh, uh, kind of uh, this this Eric von Daniken, the guy you know that he he wrote this book called uh, Chariots of the Gods and, and, sure. and a number of yeah. sequels and, yeah. and and they were made in the, these books were made into sort of cheap documentaries. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah. And it became this sort of very mysterious concept of you know what what if what if space travelers were had visited Earth thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago or in the earlier time of oh. human evolution and you know left left their left their fingerprint on who we are and what we are now and uh um i, I think we agreed we were both fascinated by that um because we were too young to know any better like we, right. we were too not too young to realize this guy was kind of a he was yeah. kind of a you know a, 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 a huckster but uh you know it was and, the 70s you know people right. bought a lot of that and stuff. has and has since for the most part been debunked, debunked you sure. Know. Sure. but but that's not what we were after we were after uh, an idea that a nobody else was really doing anything with uh and and b that we could kind of make our own 
right. um, we we started throwing around some ideas, and and I remember that the basic idea was to do an anthology, invite writers to come in and do an anthology. But the originally it was just this loose sort of let them write a story with that theme, and and that kind of was it. We um, the 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 day of the uh, of of Pulp Fest, uh, the main part of the day was over. Um, we uh, said, Hey, we'll get back together for one of the talks in the evenings, you know, like we usually did. I went back to my room and I, I tell you, I could not stop thinking about that idea. I was just like, this is the greatest thing. We have to do something with this. And I, to this day, I'm not sure how that popped into John's head, but I don't know. Thank, thank God it, thank God it did. <laughs> but I remember coming uh, meeting up with him again is sitting in the audience waiting for one of the talks to begin. It's like four hours later. Yeah, and and I I I, I was kind of it was starting to gel in my head a little bit more, and I had kind of a little bit idea. But it was actually while I was sitting there, and and he and he came down, he sat down, and I said, I, "I've got it. I just I've got it." He had the whole damn said, thing mapped out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So like can you can later. you explain the whole damn thing? What do we mean by that? Oh, okay. Because- so, uh, w- what I said was, it it's not going to be unconnected. It's going to have a central character. We're going to create this one guy, and we're going to write a bible of his background and what he does and his world, and that's what we're going to give the writers. And we're going to tell adventures of this guy. So what we did is we created uh, Conrad von Honig, which, yes, that sounds somewhat like Eric von Däniken. <laughs> but he is, he is really like, you know, ours. He's a, uh, he's a writer who has written books about ancient astronauts. And he's, <laughs> become, a, he's become a very well-known figure uh, in the world. And a very controversial one. Uh, he's earned the nickname of Conman von Honig. Uh, I lo- and I love that. And I'm crediting John with that one. Yeah, I if I remember correctly, that was, he, that was me. He, yeah, I, I'm going to take that. Uh, yeah. yeah, he jumped on that one. And that it was just every time, you know, like he say these things and it's like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right. Give me another one. Yeah. Now, while you're doing that, who folks. takes notes or do you just talk it back and forth? It was all up here, if that, I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. Well, again, yeah. you know, we're trying to give people who are saying, oh, sure. like to try yeah. that, how it I, works. If I wrote something down, I, I don't remember. Because, I mean, it was kind of, the building blocks were there, but there wasn't a lot of detail. And I, I mean, I've, it, it was, as bad as my memory is, I could remember ancient astronauts, one guy, he's a writer, you know. And, and I, think, so I, I think it was, in this case, it was Jim taking a lot of the notes, I think. I, rec- yeah. I recall just standing there just, like, rattling off stuff, and he was just yep. scribbling in a notebook, yeah. I think. that okay. That's, that's cool. the picture of my memory. Now, right. it was the idea of a central character mm-hmm. and, and, and a universe that we were going to let other people play in that, 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 you know, if I wasn't excited then, I was just over the moon at, at, at that point. Um, so, and... And and that's what and then we went from there. We wrote a Bible. Right. How long was the Bible? Uh, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, Bible Bible would be a guidebook. What yeah. uh, the the yeah. kind right. of rules of the world of that kind. And of if thing. I'm not mistaken, that term probably that comes from the that comes from like Hollywood. That comes from yeah. film and yeah. TV. That they they you know a Bible meaning you you have to follow it. 
it's, it's, the, it's the it's the blueprint for all yes. the stories that will come yeah. from yeah and but, i think it's about six it, or eight I think pages that they call it a bible because as a writer being in the anthology you need to treat it as your religion it's right. you have to follow right. it you don't you have to pick and choose what you you know you can and cannot right. follow right it's, but so, what it is is a good bible will uh have lots of areas where you can stretch out and you can you know play around in uh, but but it, but the important thing is making sure that the background is all the same. You know, you have six different writers. They're right. all writing the same character. They're all writing the same world. It's got to, you know, there's got to be some consistency. At mm-hmm. the very least, the character has to look the same. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah right. Right. Yeah. He can't have brown hair on page two on, on, the, on the second story and 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 and, and blonde hair in the fourth right. story. Right. Right. Unless he right. pre- specifically dyes his hair. Which well, that's yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Story. Well, um, so, and, that, and that's the job of the uh, the editors, you right. know, to, as they go through the stories, and you have to sometimes you have to tweak things here right. and there. Sure. You know. Sure. Um, uh, you know. Oh, he broke his finger in this story. This next story takes place only a month later. And and if he's playing, if he's doing something, whatever you you might have to say, okay, we need to put something in there about how he broke his finger. Finger, right, you know, right. in the previous story. So, um, so this anthology kind of has a story arc, overall story story arc. Actually, it actually it sort of does. Yeah. Um, okay. We we put it to the to the last writer in the anthology that he needed to bring it to a place where the whole thing with Conrad is is that. He travels the world. He is trying to find absolute proof of what he believes was ancient astronauts visiting Earth and then to let the world know. Right. The problem is, is, that, is that as he goes around the world, he is constantly up against obstacles between him and gaining those, that proof. Mm. Okay. Uh, and that I could be everything that from natural things to uh you know to people working against him or or all sorts of things uh in in my introductory story in the book uh he finds out that there's a cave that has paintings in it of beings unlike anything anybody has seen in cave paintings but it's in the middle of a little country in europe that's in the middle of a horrible civil war so he's got to get into that country in the middle of this civil war and get to that cave and take photos. <laughs> that's fantastic. Mm. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the, you know, now I promise that Eric Von Daniken never did anything like, like that, that I'm aware of, Yeah, you know? So, so basically it's, it's, there's a little bit of Indiana Jones. There you there's go. there's a that. lot of chariot of the gods. Um, mm. And then there's also a little bit of, are you guys familiar with a movie called altered states? Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. 80, 81. And the, and the subsequent aha video. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. Um, we, we tossed that into the mix also. Um, and I won't go into detail of that because I want people to discover it for themselves. But there is a, there is a certain uh, element or two or three of altered states uh, in, in, in the narrative of the stories. One of the things about that book that I like a lot is um, – uh, with the, the last, the, the last story was written by Fred Adams. Is that right, Jim? I, that sounds right. And, and this was almost by accident, but he, you know, he, he wrote a story that it, it doesn't tie everything up in a nice, neat package at the end. It, it's, there it's it definitely, it's for the space guys. The, the last story kind of leaves the whole saga open-ended. So it's not like, 
okay, I figured it all out, and you know, oh, yeah, so, so I can tell the world. It, it, so, are you it's, talking sequel? Is that what's happening? Yeah, yes. You know, yeah. There's yeah, room for it. There's room for yeah. it. Yeah. Can Can we go to some more nuts and bolts? Sure, you have sure. said a couple of times assigning, assigning. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by that because I would have thought, well, you two would want to write the whole thing, but that does not seem to be your policy at Flinch Books. Um, so it sounds like you invite, you, you figure out which writers you want to get and you go and invite them rather than an open submissions. Is this yeah. correct? And yes. can you talk about that for a while? Yeah, definitely. Um, John, is it? <laughs> yeah. Are you good? Go with, okay. Yeah. Definitely. Yes. We, um, we're a two man op- operation. Uh, we put out one to two and maybe possibly three books a year. Um, our, our, uh, policy is we will publish no book before it's time, <laughs> which, which is, which sounds Orson funny, Orson Welles actually, moment there. It's okay. actually very true. Yeah. Um, yeah. and you know what, we've, we've broken our own, you know, um, uh, time schedules because the book was just not ready to, right. it, well, it's not done. You know, I just not, did it this year. <laughs> yeah. So, but, um, uh, but yes, what we, what we do is, is for an anthology, uh, we know we, uh, our anthologies are generally going to be six stories, although the one coming out at the end of the year is actually ten. Okay. Um, but but six, I think, would be the um, would be the the target. Uh, we invite writers to take part in it. There, um, I I cannot see at this time of us uh, doing an open call. We, uh, you know, honestly, we just would not have the time to mm-hmm. read. Oh. submission yeah. like yeah. that you know and we, and and, we, and i i don't know if i if i have the emotional capability of turning people down yeah, you know, for, yeah. For well it's i mean yeah. i have learned in the five five or almost six years we've been doing this that um it, it's you know you can this can become a full-time job right oh and yeah when you are when you already have one of those it's <laughs> it's hard to juggle so True. you kind of have to find ways to yeah. you know streamline the process and sometimes oftentimes that means we're just going to have to limit this project to writers that we select as right. opposed to like jim said as opposed to an open call because well, you're, you're also it becomes a lot more work in terms of reviewing yeah. incoming stuff it just yeah. it, it becomes a, a daunting ta- it's a daunting task as it is but the idea yeah. of like just reviewing sort of submissions from all from all corners of the world is just oh. I, I can't even imagine that right now. And that and that's not to say that we won't do that right, right, someday. Exactly. But you know, right now what we do is we say and I love this part of it, we say, hey, who do we want to work with? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh whose stuff do we really like? Uh who would be, you, you know, we'd go, you know, who would be good for this yeah, book? Who would be well-suited to this particular project? Exactly. Right? <clears throat> and on Occupied Pulp, we had, we did have a criteria, and that was, okay, other than John, we wanted five writers that we have yet to work with at Flinch Books. We have a couple of, we have what we jokingly call a little stable <laughs> at this, <laughs> meaning, meaning we have actually worked more than once with particular writers. Uh, sure. Frank, Schil- Frank Schildner is, is a really good example of that. You know, he's been in, in uh, a few of our books or three already, you know, uh, Frank's a guy that I, you know, I would call him a go-to for, for us. Um, but, but Occupied Pulp, we said, Hey, let's, let's do something different this time. 
and and try to um, uh, get some writers that we have never worked with, but that we admire. Uh, and uh, and again, you know, I I think we really succeeded on that. So in, in that sense, there's no one one way of, of of doing it, except for yeah. Right now, everything is is invitation. Sure. Then it's you know it's the reading, the editing, the uh, putting the physical book together. Yeah. Um, do you have certain people you go to for covers and stuff like that? Um, yeah, How do you we, handle the marketing, that end of the... We've got about, what, I'm going to say about a half dozen artists, Jim, that we've worked with so far. And, we, you know, we've, in some cases, more than once. Uh, yeah. And we've got a great designer, uh, a, a young woman who lives here in the Cleveland area, a little bit farther east of me. Uh, I used to work with her at my full-time job. And uh, she does great graphic design and, and, and interior formatting. She's very good. She's very quick. She's very efficient. She's thorough. She's professional. She's, uh, so you really you know, don't like her? No, not at all. I, no, really. When I was working with her in my day job, we were a great team. We we worked on a lot of stuff together. And so yeah. when we were when Jim and I were looking for somebody, I said, "Well, you know, there's somebody I work with, and uh, and she's great. And if she's yeah. willing to do some stuff on the side with us, and, and she's been she's been excellent. And yeah, uh, she's a she's a godsend. I'll go one farther. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> she's quite carry good. it up. Yeah, we can we can trust her to to take the parts the puzzle pieces that we've assembled and hand it over to her. And we say, now please put this together. Make it pretty. And what's beautiful. You know, and the great thing about Maggie, and this was my experience with, when I was, when I was working with her at, uh, at the day job, she's very good at catching stuff that we occasionally miss. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, there have been occasions where she's come to us and said, you know, do you guys know you spelled a word wrong on page 40? <laughs> and we're like, no, but thank you, and please fix it. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, it, well, proofreading is a whole different conversation. Sure. But, but, yeah, she, yeah, she's good. That's, she's good at, like, catching the little things that sometimes we miss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I'm actually curious uh, about a couple of things, and I'm also clock watching. Um, you guys have mentioned multiple times that, you know, you've written this or you write that. Or you've been, What kind of writers are you? I mean, what? What what turns you what on? Kind what kind of writers? What the hell yeah. kind of writers? I, I just happen to have several reviews right here. <laughs> yeah. From your own point of view, oh. what, what kind of writers are you? Well, what are you into? What 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 got we, you into this? Anything we, like that? We should say, John. We should say what what each other is. That's funny. I was just thinking the exact same okay. thing, which is which Obviously, happens often. By the way, together I'm, too much. I'm right. gonna I'm gonna hope it's this. I'm gonna hope it's the same answer from both of us. Um, to to me, John is a pulp writer, and I hope he says the same thing for me. But um, um, John is a very thoughtful writer. He puts a lot of thought into everything that he writes, uh, way, way more than I do. Um, uh, I, even though I outline stuff, I sometimes fly by the seat of my pants. Mm -hmm. John is so grounded as a writer that he puts me to shame Uh. most times. And, um, he's also, uh, an incredible, uh, world builder. And when I read the first uh, Midnight Guardian book, that really <laughs> hit me over the head that not only were his characters all great and very thoroughly mapped out and very thoroughly created, but the city that he created 
was as much a character as the the human beings walking around in that city and to me that's just amazing uh i'm a huge fan of of world building and uh when it's done right man it can be a beautiful thing and uh and his city in in the midnight guardian books is 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 just that so so uh he he's a he's a thoughtful grounded pulp writer Okay, since you're speaking for John, Jim, I'm just going to ask you, does John, um, do you feel that, that John is, is at home in the fantastic? Or does his material vary into, you know, fiction, but also more nonfiction? Or, that's, uh, a, that's a great question. He can absolutely do fantasy, but... I would I would be prone to put a project in front of him that and I'm going to go back to that word that's more grounded um and and that's what the world of Midnight Guardian is it's it's like it's like pulp adventures but in the real world mm. if if you will and we'll um, have to explain that later too but yeah, yeah um and like he wrote a story for Restless which is our mummy horror anthology mm-hmm. And there's fantastical things that happen in his story, but but it, it's like what he was saying about research. Like you know, uh, he's he's a research guy. Me, my, my research is is that I read a Wikipedia page and then I go, ah, okay, I know what it is, and I just go wherever the hell I'm going to go. You know, but uh, Alex, but, uh, John, John yeah. is you, and I'm a little bit like Jim. Oh, okay. Because okay. Alex sets up like the but blackjack But boy, do I stuff. have a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, we have a, uh, he sets up all the blackjack world and all that stuff, and he's grounded, and I'm more like a sugar rush, you know? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 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 okay, so now, John, talk to us about Jim. Okay. I put okay. the pressure on him now. Yeah, really. Oh, yeah, he laid he's it on. He's got to say something nice about that was, that was quite flattering. I'm, I'm like, I, I Yeah, I wish I could guy. say the same about him. No. Yeah. <laughs> no it's okay. He's got potential. Uh, <laughs> Jim One is, of these days, one of these days, I'm going to grow up to be John Bruno. Uh, yeah, in about a year and a half, right? <laughs> Oh, Jim is uh, um, Jim's a pulp writer. Have I mentioned that? Uh, no, he is. And and, and I think I'm glad thing, he said that at least. The, the the thing that has that has always struck me about Jim, from the time I met him, is like the diversity of what he does and can do. I mean, if you look at his body of work, and I think he's at a point where he can actually talk about what he's done as a body of work. It's a lot of damn stuff, and it's a lot of different kinds of stuff, which has always impressed me. Um, um, and he always seems to have, like, 16 irons in 16 fires at all times. And it's like, it, it just, there's always, like, there's the flinch stuff, and I have to, and, but but, like, at least a couple times a year, I get I get wind of something else he's working on. I'm like Jesus, you know, like what? When you know? How does this happen? But um, but you know, and I said it in, in the most complimentary way. I just uh, but if you if you look at the the range of what he's done, um, it's a lot of different kinds of stuff. It's 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 horror. It's it's occult. It's um, it's fantasy. It's superhero. It's detect. It just. And, and and this is like you know above and beyond just the flinch stuff. I, I mean, I think in, in Jim's case, flinch is I don't want to say the tip of the iceberg, but it's it's a it's a it's a piece of some, a much larger body. Whereas, mm. at least for the time being, flinch is a lot of what I do. Um, mm. 
but but that's that's the thing that you know is is it's the the diversity and the range of his ability. I mean, he he can he can write a lot, I, I, and I think I think I think Jim's correct. There's there's certain things I feel like I'm comfortable and pretty good at, and there's stuff that I would really feel like I was way out of my element. Um, whereas I don't think he's looking at those kinds of limitations. I think he's pretty much willing and able to try just about anything and do well in, in, in it. Um, uh, I, I don't know how much I can give away, Jim, but I just recently finished proofreading, editing slash editing uh, something uh, of novel he wrote. And, Oh, well, and I, I revealed that today. That's <laughs> right. You did. Okay. So it's, it's, so it's, the, it's, it's this fine. fantasy novel and I, you know, it, it's like, okay, I, ha- I haven't seen a fantasy novel from Jim yet. And, once I got maybe a quarter of the way in, I thought, well, he's good at this too, you know? So, uh, <laughs> just, um, and, and, and what's interesting is we've had conversations in the past where he has said, you know, I, I, I worry sometimes that I just spread myself too thin by doing too many things. I don't focus on a particular genre or a particular type of story. Um, it's true. You can look at that two ways. I mean, you know, if you can diversify like that, you, I think you, you, you create more opportunities for yourself that than somebody who might just specialize in this, this particular genre or that particular genre. So I think I it's, just it's have too things. many damn interests. That's you know, see, well, I, yeah. I have a I have a I have a theory about that, and then I want to ask another writer type question. But my theory is this: in theater, um, one of the terminologies is a triple threat, and it usually means that a person is a singer, a dancer, and an actor. Yeah. And I always wondered why can't it be a director, a dancer, and a singer, or an actor and a writer and a the fact that you can do more than one thing doesn't mean it has to fit under a prescribed preset temp, you know, tempo. Uh, what am I trying to say? Tent. Template. Or, or yeah, template. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It, it sure. can be that you have these interests. And, and in terms of the imagination, and this is the other thing, both of you, you said both of you grew up around the same time. You were exposed to a lot of the same impulses and material and experiences. I'm sure your lives as human beings varied. But you were also getting a lot of the pop cultures of the time. So when you're writing and you're calling, you know, you're filtering it through yourself and you're calling on yourself for some aspect of it, do you find that you reach back for life experiences or influences from different things? Or are you always researching the present or some particular historical thing in order to fuel that creativity? I would say yes to both. Mm. Uh, and I think the, uh, uh, the searching for Benito was just, like I said a, a few minutes ago, just, you know, I was, I was sort of reaching back to my own family history and I was also doing historical research as to, mm. you know, what, what did Italy and Milan look like after the war? So I think that was a, that particular story was a perfect confluence of both of the things you're talking about, mm. pulling on, pu- pulling something out of yourself, but also pulling, pulling something out of historical research and fusing the two together. And, and John, would you agree with that? I'm sorry, Jim, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, um, I, I have been mining my own childhood for, for years now, you know, and, um, and things that interested me as a, as a child. Uh, Quest for the Space Gods is a good example of that. Um, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the well of, of, the, of stuff that I got out of comic books you know, as a kid, um, there's a, uh, there was a comic book that gold key put out called UFO and UFOs and flying saucers. And it mm-hmm. didn't run for very long, but, but, um, 
I have mined that until <laughs> uh, there's no tomorrow. And then that said, um, ideas then can come from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and watching a TV show, watching some documentary, watching, you know, some this or that or the other thing. And, and you know, I'll get an idea. Uh, and and that's what I, I really, really uh, love. But <laughs> that one thing that John said is true. I, I, I have often been grown concerned about not knuckling down and having one or two you know, long running series of this, you know, uh, uh, Sergeant Janice right now is the closest right. thing that I have right. to, to, uh, to, a, a series, uh, and that I intend to keep, you know, uh, writing, but, but again, it's like, I, I, I can't do that. And that's, it's not to say that I'd get bored necessarily. I mean, believe me, if I suddenly had a, a, a series that was selling worldwide and getting me lots of acclaim and, and money, I would just do that <laughs> with no problem. But, um, but again, yeah, it's just like, I, there's, I have too many interests, you know, I still have a backlog of, of genres that I want to hit and, or genres that I want to blend, mm, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's the other thing, you know, when I started out, it was like, I want to be a pulp writer, but I want to take, pulp and and graft it to things that didn't necessarily uh was it didn't necessarily fall in the world of the pulp magazines of the 30s 40s and right. 50s right so that gives us a great opportunity to um to discuss or to define old pulp versus new pulp thank you because that's exactly where i was going Chris. well you know <laughs> claire Bryant right here <laughs> yeah it's a lovely claire. girl claire yeah that's right <laughs> John, John has a John. John has a, I, I wouldn't say a problem, or maybe not even an issue. John has some thoughts about the the term new. Well, it's, okay. Since you gave me the opening, I'm going to take it, um, right, and, and, and I'll be I'll be diplomatic. It's all yours, buddy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> watch Watch as I paint myself into a corner and shoot myself in the foot. Um, hey, we're flinch. We do things differently. I, I just uh, okay. Um, I have to be delicate here because no, I never know who's going who's to be listening to this or watching this or whatever. <laughs> well, our audience is huge, bro. You've got, we're <laughs> I mean, talking listen, dozens, listen, dozens we've and dozens so many bridges already. followers. <laughs> Look, you know, really, we got, we got Biden sitting right next to me here. Listen to this. I mean, you know. So you go mind, ahead. You know, okay, Joe, okay go right. ahead. Go for it. it, it I, I, I've, I've always been a little concerned about the phrase New pulp, capital N, capital P, um, because I think you know the the thing we're all trying to do is when I say all of us, I mean Jim, myself, anybody else who writes stuff like this. We're we're trying to we're trying to grab or create or develop or cultivate the biggest audience possible, the biggest, broadest, widest, audience, widest audience possible. And and when you start putting a uh, you know, a label like that, especially when you put like your capital letters, like this is, you, you start to brand it. A lot of people who aren't familiar with what pulp is or was, they just, they're, maybe they're scratching their heads a little bit and they, you know, and they, they may not be sure if, if, if they're puzzled by it, they might back away. Whereas mm-hmm. if you just sort of present this thing in it with a certain aesthetic or in a certain tradition, just, just put it out there for what it is. And let the reader decide what they how, how to respond to it, as opposed to oh, this is part of you know it's, it's sort of like I don't have a book handy, but it's like oh this this is new pulp. Well, no, it's just it's a book. It's a book that I'm reading that I'm enjoying, and, and um, it doesn't have to have like 
it, it doesn't have to f have a, a, a label that's going to sort of pigeonhole it in a certain kind of place. It just, it can just be a good book that someone's enjoying or, or the, a good book that a lot of people can enjoy. Um, so that, that's, that's always been my concern. It's just, you know, new pulp means something to a, f a very finite number of people. Right. Um, whereas there might be a, like a much larger, broader audience of people who might not understand it and might be puzzled by it to the point where like, well, I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means to me. So I'm just not yeah. sure that that's something I want to read. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I always thought that, you know, pulp for me and, and the one, I, how I learned about it, it was the quality of the paper, but the right. words on it, originally, I mean, once those yeah. advent well, originally, yeah. yeah. And then right. once the adventures started, it was just, you know, pulp was for me, page turners and stuff that you wanted right. to, right. you just right. like ate it up, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. th that was, and, and yes, there was some purple prose and all that stuff, but, that doesn't translate. I, I think this stuff is really, you know, as much as you know, I haven't read every single thing out there, of course, there's a good solid style uh, for most of the stuff that is successful pulp or right. successful sure. stuff that's coming out now. Yeah. Um, and it's, if it works for me, it's got the, the the fast pace, interesting characters, and it's an adventure, you know, and then mm -hmm. anything else that's added on there, you know, that's the, yeah. that's bonus if, points, you know, if yeah. I could just add a thought to that. And, and, and I think it's to your point, Chris. Um, I, I also bristle when, when, when people want to like create, establish a hard and fast definition of what pulp is and what pulp is not, because it, it becomes very restrictive pretty quickly. And, and a lot of writers who might be interested in trying something like that, Again, they, you know, they, they, they back away because it just feels like it feels like, oh, my God, I'm going to wind up in a box if I if I if I want to write this stuff. Yes. When the truth is, I mean, I, I'm more interested in, in, in writing and publishing stuff that is in the tradition of or in the spirit of pulp as opposed mm. to stuff that is, you know, as defined by this this hard and fast dish, definition of pulp. And, and historically, and, and the, the analogy – I'm sorry, one more the, – the, the analogy that I keep coming back to, I, I, I used to work in the record business for about eight years. Um, and I guarantee you if you put ten people in a room and ask them to come up with a definition for jazz, you will have a fistfight on your hands in 20 minutes. <laughs> and, and I think it's, oh, a, yeah. it's, the, same, it's the same idea. Just you, you, you can't – you know, I, I think you're, you're doing yourself, your audience, your readers, your, your writers a disservice if you start telling them, okay – if you're going to write pulp, it must be this and it must not be that. Um, I think it's more of a it's it's more of a it's more of a a, 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 a tradition or a, a, it's a it's it, it, it's it's more of a feel than it is you know yeah. a, a yeah. dictionary yeah. definition. I was gonna, end I of was rant. Gonna say end of rant. Too. Yeah, so. yeah. It 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 is as as, uh, <laughs> as esoteric I guess as it sounds. It's it's more a feeling than yes. than yes than anything yes. and and. It has changed. The definitions of it has changed so much. And you're, you're right. Yeah. I mean, at the very basic level, decades ago, it was it was the quality of the paper. It was mm -hmm. printed out, right? Mm -hmm. So the next step up from that was it was cheap entertainment for mm -hmm. anybody. A mass. A mass right. For the most part. Yeah. Right. But, but, but for anybody. Cheap, regular entertainment. Mm -hmm. Working class. Not very much, you know very little money 
and and for however many hours or a few days, then you 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 know you were entertained when. But I but the I world do think around it, you was pretty sh- crappy. I right. do think it's okay, eighty or ninety years later, to to bring a level of sophistication to it yeah. that wasn't there in the nineteen twenties, thirties, forties, etc. Absolutely. I, I, I think I think you have to. Uh, adjust somewhat to the society that you're, you're living within, and absolutely. you can find your audience abs- absolutely. But mm-hmm. yeah, you do have to adjust. You do have to make certain adjustments. And oh. and you know when I work with uh, my writing students in either uh, screenwriting or uh, mystery novels or whatever, you know I tell you know read your audience. Think about you know what would you do now? How do you feel? Because that's when I went back to my question about how do you guys approach the material. It's, you know, uh, we can take you and myself and Chris and, you know, and, and, and 14 other people and put them in a room and give us each the same plot. Mm-hmm. And when we sit down and do the writing, it's not going to come out exactly the same. Mm-hmm. It's just not because we're going to filter it through our own experiences, and our own style and so forth. So, yeah, I think we we sort of adjust to the audience base, but we also have our own visions, our own enthusiasm, our own passions. Mm-hmm. And, and we try to display that and make it as successful as possible. Yeah. Pulp, pulp can be so many things. Um, um, you know, my personal mission statement is to take the very best of, of what it was, uh, you know, get rid of the things that uh, won't work anymore, mm. uh, the, the racism and the sexism and and take that core idea of quick story driven entertainment and then just you can go anywhere and that's been my whole thing and now you know i hopefully that's what flinch is now too take those ideas take and 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 adapt it to whatever you know uh i know people who have argued that uh, romance can't be part of pulp, you know, and it's like, no, there pulp were romance magazines, <laughs> you know, there were pulp romance magazines. Of course it can be as long it's story driven, you know, yeah, that's um, right. um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I have, uh, I have an anthology of pulp stories about a 1960s, you know, rock and roll pop band, you, you know, I mean, that's that I would call state balls into the realm of pulp. You know, it's like there's no limitations as far as as far as that goes. Yeah, um, it does cover. Uh, it's almost laughable to to try and limit it because if you just yeah. look, it covers almost every genre. You know, maybe maybe not the British Tea Room, although you probably find a couple <laughs> occult detectives. You know how I've described it to people in pulp. Your characters do not stop and ponder the meaning of life. Right. Yeah. There, there's too many things going on, you know, for them to do that. You know, I mean, and that, and that's not to say that they're not three-dimensional characters. No. And, you know, um, the some people different. would argue that in the 30s and 40s they weren't that three-dimensional of characters. They had to stay the same. From you know. Uh, if you picked up an issue of Doc Savage in February of 1934, 
you could you should be, be able to pick one up in February of 1935 and feel like it's the exact same character and that you didn't right. have to know. But he's still wearing the same shirt. Yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. Just for the first couple of chapters. Then yeah, it gets right, ripped right. Right. Like it's yeah, off. You know, I mean, that's okay. And you can, still, you can still do that today. You know, I'm a little bit more interested in advancing, you know, a character, you know, mm-hmm. as, as you go yeah. along. And, um, and I- I think this is where Jim and I might disagree a little bit. I, I, I feel like there's a little bit of room, you know, even just a half page for, for a character to just stop and think right. about what he's doing, why he's doing it, right. like, you know, why he, why he feels a little bit conflicted about it. Um, yes, for a half page. I'll give you that. And, and, and then he's had no more. I will give you that much. And you know what? And, I, and I've done that. You know, I've, I've done that. It's, that's okay. But, yeah. but you, like, you can't have an entire book about it. Absolutely you know? not. No, no I, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. I would point to Alex's blackjack character. Alex has to, you know, his, his character has to deal with the racism of the day. But it, the, the action never stops. He's always moving forward. And how he handles it allows this subtext of what he believes and how he conducts himself. And that's where you get, you know, something to chew on after you've finished reading the story or whatever. And which is why I think he was such a, you, both of you were such a good fit to talk with Alex because of that, that modern take on, you know, like you said, tell the, tell the damn story, you know, <laughs> get in there. Well, get, and- Chris, guess what? I yes, think sir. you just defined new pulp. Which is what? Which is how you just described Alex's work. Okay, oh, that's geez. cool. Yeah, it keeps going. Because it's, it's all again, on you, Alex. The pressure's oh, on. Wait, wait. <laughs> it's, the and, old, it's the old pulp sensibilities right. written in, in modern times. Mm-hmm. Yep. Written exactly. now. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. And that's everything that we are now. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah, you can you can write something set in the 30s, and I think my publishing partner will confirm that yeah. you can write something that's set in the 30s. That's you know, there's no problem with that. Yeah. But but I would suggest that maybe you might want to you know write it with a little bit of the sensibilities, yeah. of, uh, uh, Alex and I of, of today, you know. Yeah. Because you know what? You want people to read it. Yes, right. exactly. Otherwise, you're just reminiscing, and that's not right. what you're, you're in the business to do. Well, uh, I, Chris, I, Chris uh, has something to say, and then I just want to say that we're running out of time. So go ahead. Um, we had a chance to um, contribute to an anthology that Pro Se was going to put out. It never you know, came to fruition. It's um, characters. And I grabbed Sally the Sleuth. I don't know if you remember her, but she I used know, to be I in. Of, of the- yeah, she used to be in like you know spicy mystery magazines, mm-hmm. and yeah. she'd be like a, a four-page comic strip where yeah. she would lose her clothes. Oh, I've seen this. And yeah. and yeah. solve the problem. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to write a story where she got to solve the problem and keep her clothes. That was the entire <laughs> goal. You, <know? laughs> you ask so much, Chris. I know it was terrible. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> but, Chris, I have a, Chris, I have a character like that. Uh, I did an anthology called, uh, uh, saucy robot stories. <laughs> That's great. Of course. And, <laughs> and it's three characters. It's, it's set in the forties in New York city and it's a robot character uh, a bumbling janitor who becomes his best friend and a female reporter who just happens to lose her clothes <laughs> here, here and there. 
it's but she's like she's as she's like low but she's she's an incredibly strong character but she it's like Lois Lane except that she loses some her reason, clothes. Yeah, wait a minute wait a minute we got to ask clothes. now which Lois Lane Phyllis Coates or Noel Neal <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> kind of a, Alex kind of a combination of both, of both of <laughs> Yeah cuz I mean it's funny and you talk about sensibilities and so but when I was a kid and I watched the old Superman TV series those first that first season yeah, I was. 30s. Phyllis, Phyllis Coates was, you know, Lois Lane, and she was very, you know, mm, 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 right, get the story, get the story, could care less about Clark, get the story. And I didn't like her. And then when <laughs> Noel Neal took over the role, <laughs> I found I liked her, you know. She, she, she can be, like yeah, Noel. she can be kind of a hard-edged but, but here's the thing, here's the thing. In my adult life, when I finally, they started rerunning the series and everything, and I, I suddenly realized, Oh, I like Noel's yeah. character more, but yep. I don't believe she's a reporter. Phyllis <laughs> Coates' character, yeah, she's, she's a career woman. And I right. realize it's because of the times in which I live and how I see women now and how I see about, you know, job equality and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Noel Neal's character always seemed like she wanted to marry Superman and maybe, maybe take care of the house. <laughs> and I'm thinking, right. Eh. Uh, and, yeah. and wear a stupid looking hat yes oh yeah. well see now i wasn't gonna no. go there but all right <laughs> he was more of the she was more of the kurt schaffenberger yes uh, yes that, that's a, she was that june cleaver an she was june yeah. cleaver man this episode is gonna need so uh, yeah. many footnotes <laughs> sorry. sorry but anyway that's, right. that's fun again guys i really really really, really 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 want to have you guys back because obviously we've only touched the tip of the iceberg here okay. <laughs> but we had a lot of fun but we and didn't get likewise. half the questions. Is, yeah. by, we didn't get to address half the, the year, questions. <laughs> by the end of the year, we'll have something to talk about. Oh, something yeah. new to Absolutely. talk about. We, we would yeah. really love to yeah. do this again we'll have a when, things, when it's time. Yeah, we'll have yeah, a couple well, things. You know, Flinch so and otherwise. We, we will cool. talk. We will talk, and we will plan at least one comeback, if not two. Okay. Uh, one la- one quick question before we leave, Alex. Then you got to answer yeah. it really quickly. Okay, gentlemen, what advice would you give emerging writers? who are interested in, one, finding out more about Pulp, and two, trying their hand at Pulp? Just go first? Okay. Uh, I, I would say uh, finding out more about Pulp, uh, go to a convention like Pulp Fest if you can get, if you can get there, if it's geographically accessible to you, mm-hmm. or perhaps Windy City in Chicago. Um, uh, try to get your hands on some of the old stuff, which is not hard to do because a lot of it is, in, is available in reprint now for a reasonable price. Sure. Um, and, and just start, just you know, to coin a phrase, just start telling the damn story. Just start writing stuff. Go. I mean, just you know, you just just use I just like just, just read, you know, just read some and write some, and just kind of immerse yourself in it. And uh, don't be afraid to watch some old movies. Don't be afraid to uh, uh, watch some old cliffhanger serials because I think sure. you can get a lot of insight from those. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, don't be afraid to read some golden age comics. I mean, it, it, it all comes out of the same place, and that's sort of where you get your history lesson. And, and don't be afraid to take that sensibility. And as we said a few minutes ago, or as Jim said, don't be afraid to take that sensibility into the modern day and sort of funnel it through your own like mm-hmm. 21st century worldview. Cool. Thank you very much, yeah. Jim. Jim. Yeah. All, all of that. Uh, pl- uh, plus. Um, a bag uh, of chips. Right. <laughs> Period. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to do it. And. Yeah. Even more importantly, make sure you get to that point where you write the end, period. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. gotta finish. Uh, yep. I tell people this all the time stop making orphans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. finish, 
uh, write the damn story or tell the damn story, okay. and more importantly, finish the, finish damn, the damn story. story. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Finish it. Right. Yep. Yep. You can yep. go back and make it better. I don't care. Finish it. Or do a start a second I, I, one that's better. Yeah. 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 I get so frustrated with the with the people who say like, "Oh, I have an unfinished novel and I have an unfinished short story." You know, it's a million like, other people. Just, yeah. Just finish one of them because mm-hmm. the the sense of satisfaction, which is oh yeah, it, mm-hmm. is is incredible. Uh, and the other thing is, is don't or try not to have people you know very well read your stuff <laughs> because guess what tough love they're going to lie to you yes they're going to tell you that you're great and that you're fantastic and that you're the best thing that's come along since steinbeck or whatever and you know what? Nine times out of ten, that's probably not going to be true. You cannot go off of that. You have got to put your work out into a larger world and take some knocks and listen to what, you know, uh, uh, people who really know. And you know what? Yeah, you want to listen to what mom says. You want mom to read your stuff or your sister or your best friend. But the chances are they're all they're going to do is just, uh, you know, feed your ego and tell you how good it is. When it's not, excellent. It, it's and and love, Alex, it's Jim, love, but in an intervention. But you know what? It, it has to be said. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, name the episode. Finish the damn story. That's the <laughs> name of the episode. <laughs> okay, guys, so, it was really great having you on board. And like I said, you got to get you. you back at least one, two more times for sure. Absolutely, would love to do it. Fun. Would love to do it. Gentlemen, thank you very much. I know yes. it took a little while for us to get coordinated. That's okay to, for this, but it was a lot of fun. Very rewarding. And thank you for your time. Thank we you. appreciate thank it. You. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, guys. All right. All right. Peace. Bye-bye. Thanks again.